This episode of the Butte Industry Podcast was brought to you by Forest Salon Software. Join 6,000 plus happy salons using Forest to increase bookings and revenue today. Hello and welcome to the Butte Industry Podcast, your online support community for the professional beauty industry. I am your host, founding director of Butte Industry, Tamara Reed. Here, we are closing the competitive gap and speaking your language. This is a platform created and dedicated to the professional beauty industry, valuing community over competition. We serve to help connect you with inspiration from industry experts, expand your knowledge through educational pieces, and bring you the latest in product and technology innovation. This is Beauté Industry. Today, my guest is Ebony Cremiri from Project Nutrition. Ebony is an online accredited practicing dietitian and nutritionist based in Newcastle and is also the founder of Project Nutrition. Over the past 10 years, Ebony has helped hundreds of women achieve their nutrition and health goals. Ebony's interest in early life nutrition first developed after her own struggles with infertility and pregnancy losses, where she now has turned her journey from infertility to motherhood into her passion and has created Project Nutrition to help women like you and our clients balance their hormones, have healthier menstrual cycles and optimize your diet for fertility. If you have trouble getting out of the bed in morning, find that information you're told goes in one ear and out the other. Perhaps you or your clients are craving sugary foods and even find it difficult to concentrate or have been close to falling asleep at work, then today's episode is for you personally, but too so that you can understand and assist your clients. Here's Ebony and I for Butte Industry. Ebony, welcome to the Butte Industry podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Ah, it is my pleasure. Um, we were just chatting offline how timely this episode is because the world has gone a little bit crazy. So I am so excited to chat all things nutrition. But before we get into that, I ask our guests to start at the beginning of their career. So can you share with us what the story of your life and your lifestyle looks like pre-project nutrition um, and how you came to work in the field you're in today? Yeah, so I've been working as a dietitian for about 10 years now. And when I first graduated from uni, I also coincidentally started trying to start a family, me and my husband. So that was obviously a huge journey for us. And we came across many obstacles during our journey starting our family. We had issues with falling pregnant, um, with recurrent miscarriages, and it all really took us by surprise. We weren't expecting, you know, any of that. We were both pretty healthy and, you know, looked after our, our health and our lifestyle. So it was all a bit of a shock to us. And I guess having that background in nutrition, I really, we touched on it at university. We did look a little bit at pregnancy nutrition, but we never really delved into the world of fertility nutrition. So I guess that's where my interest in the area of fertility nutrition really started. And I really got stuck into the research and learning about the role nutrition had in fertility. And it absolutely blew my mind. Like I was shocked at what an impact it can make on 
improving our chances of falling pregnant, but also having a healthy baby. And once I kind of came out the other side of my own fertility journey, I just knew I had to share this with other women and other men. And I knew that that's where I, my passion was and that I really wanted to work in this area and I started taking the steps towards specializing in women's health and fertility and pregnancy nutrition and then I decided to take a big leap and start my own business solely focusing on women's health and fertility so that's my journey in a, in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Oh, how amazing. And, uh, you know, I think I say this every single week to every one of our guests, but every time we have a sticky, itchy feeling and something's our problem, that's generally where I find the best businesses come about because yeah. if we have a problem, probably, you know, a hundred, 200 other people do have it as well. Absolutely. And what I found when I was going through my own struggles was when I was looking at the information that was out there around nutrition for fertility, there was so much misinformation. The amount of inaccurate fear-mongering um, information, especially online, was just out of control. And it's such a vulnerable time for women and their partners. The last thing they need is all of this guilt-ridden, inaccurate information bombarding them left, right and centre. So that was one of my other big motivators was just to help cut the confusion, be a reassurance and be a support that people can know, okay, this information's accurate. It's coming from a qualified health professional. It's actually going to work. So that was another big motivator for me. Oh, that's so nice. I mean, I know even as myself having tried, um, you know, to have a baby for quite some time now and um, only just falling pregnant four, four or five months ago now. Oh, congratulations. Um, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it was such a crazy time because oh. you tell people we're trying and, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not being successful and they go, oh, how long have you been trying for? And you don't want to tell them how long you've been trying for because you get all of this advice, you know, stop drinking kombucha and only eat greens and you're like where does this even come from who are you <laughs> and it's so it can be such a lonely journey so that's why I've really tried to create that online safe community where I'm sharing that accurate information so women can go on there and be reassured that you know they're not going to be given inaccurate information that they can contact me via DM and I'm happy just to have a chat if they don't feel comfortable talking to their friends and family about the struggles that they're going through. So yeah, it can be, it can be a definitely a very difficult, difficult journey. Mm. What have you found is the biggest misconception about the food that we eat? So the biggest misconception that I see when it comes to eating is that there's a right and a wrong way of eating. And it's simply not true. There are so many different ways that are suitable for people to eat. And what is right for one person won't be right for the next. There are so many different factors that come into play um, that we would take into consideration when trying to work out what's the right dietary pattern for someone. So I really hate that black and white thinking that there is only one particular diet that's going to work for one particular condition. It's just simply not true. Yes. You would never believe actually, um, probably a good 15 years ago, I saw a personal trainer and he was such a 
dick. I'm going to say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no other word for it. And yeah. um, he said, sorry if there's little kids in the car listening, um, but he said if every woman just ate healthy and went to the gym every day, everyone would look like Marianne Kerr. And I oh was, my goodness. No, I'm like, that's not possible. Everyone has different bone structure and oh. their food responds different. We've all got different bacteria. And he was so adamant. And every single time he's like, you're not going to look like Miranda Kerr. And after about three sessions, I fired him and I was like, yeah. you are awful. <laughs> that's horrendous. I'm so sorry that you had that experience, but it's really common. So many clients come to me and like they're felt shamed about the way they've been eating or they've sought advice from someone else and have just walked away going, oh, that is just not realistic for me. And, you know, that's why I really believe that we need to work one-on-one with clients to really get to the bottom of what they need as an individual because we're all so unique and we're all so different and what works for one person won't work for the next yeah, completely. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering what's the most common question that your clients are asking you with relation to um, hormones and food? Yeah, so I work with a lot of women with polycystic ovary syndrome. So I get lots of questions around, can nutrition help to manage my symptoms? So um, something that I'm sure a lot of your listeners will have seen in their practice, um, women coming in with hormonal acne with excessive hair growth and you know is there anything that we can do with our diet to help manage that and the really exciting thing is there is most definitely things that we can do uh, to help manage those symptoms and with polycystic ovary syndrome diet is actually one of the first line interventions for that condition so um That is probably on social media and in practice as well, the biggest question that I get asked from my clients. Yeah, right. How interesting because a lot of the time you, uh, I mean, you know, traditional medicine and doctors would just go straight to kind of medical intervention. But I Mm -hmm. love that you're saying kind of that first line is often food. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's actually in the clinical guidelines for PCOS. So diet and lifestyle has really good research and support and evidence to support using it as a first line treatment. Obviously, there'll be many women that will need medical interventions as well. And that's absolutely okay. But it's good to know that you have that option of going down a more natural lifestyle-based route as um, a path for your first treatment option. Yeah, it is a vicious yeah. cycle sometimes because when we're hormonal and feeling down or frustrated that we can't get mm. pregnant or frustrated that we're in pain from PCOS, we just want to eat, you know, sugary, mm. delicious, carb-rich food. But actually, that's probably the worst option for us to do in that time. Yeah, it's really interesting though, and I often explain this, especially to the clients that I see who have PMS, um, because nutrition does play a big role in managing PMS as well. But when it comes to cravings and our mood, our simple carbohydrates, so things like those high sugar foods, they actually give our body a physiological mood boost. So they really do give us that quick boost in mood, which is why we go for them. It's completely understandable. But unfortunately, over the long term, we see the opposite effect. So if we're having lots of those refined high sugar foods, then on a consistent basis, then it can negatively impact on our mood. But, you know, 
women feel so guilty when they say, oh, I just crave these sugary foods because they taste good. And I'm like, it's completely normal. It's completely okay. Like your body is actually having a really good response when you do have those. We just need to be mindful of how often we do it. <laughs> completely. And, um, you know, it's it's that roller coaster, isn't it? That roller coaster of energy. Like we feel down, we want to have something sugary mm. so we can get back up there. We sustain that energy. We feel good. And then we dip really fast. And that's why people yes. like you promote bananas and dates and things like that because it's a sustained energy and yes it, it kind of satisfies that um sweet tooth craving but it's going to yeah. be a better form of energy for us absolutely no, yeah that's very amazing true. um there's a huge trend at the moment and we are hearing this from lots of our clients which yeah. is um intermittent fasting and fasting for long periods of time especially from night to morning one mm. generally skips breakfast right how important is breakfast to us? This is a, I love this question because if you'd asked me this 10 years ago, I would have said, yeah, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. We need to be eating breakfast. But the research has really evolved in this space and it appears that breakfast may not be as essential as what we once thought, but it really depends on the individual. And for some people, breakfast is essential. They do not function and they aren't uh, working at their best when they don't have breakfast. Other people tend to be late um, eaters. So they'll eat more around mid-morning or lunchtime and they find that they function really well with that eating pattern. Um, so I really, I don't get to, you know, focused on making sure people eat breakfast every single day. I usually sort of ask the client, you know, what works for them best? Where do they feel their energy levels sit the best? So if someone tries intermittent fasting and they come to me and they say, look, I just feel so depleted in the mornings. I have no energy. I'm really struggling. I'm just hangry. I can't talk to anyone. I can't do anything. Then that's just not the right dietary pattern for them. But if I have someone say, you know, I don't eat until 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock and I feel great, I wake up with loads of energy, I'm really productive in the morning, then that's a dietary pattern that suits them. So it really depends on the individual. But just something on intermittent fasting that I'd really like to highlight. In terms of the research, we have very little research in women with intermittent fasting. The right. research has mainly been done in men and there are some benefits in that population group. But I really, I find in practice, intermittent fasting is probably one of the dietary patterns that don't, doesn't seem to be as effective with females. Um, I find that they tend to thrive and sort of do better having a breakfast meal. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How interesting. Okay. Yeah. I know I couldn't survive without breakfast, but then I'm, probably yeah. five years ago, I didn't eat until lunchtime. So I think even as I'm getting older, um, yep. getting into different routines, my eating habits are changing. Absolutely. And I'm the same, like, don't even talk to me. <laughs> if I haven't had breakfast, I can't function. I can't think. So breakfast is my favourite, favourite meal of the day. So I could not go without it. <laughs> After the break, Ebony shares with us whether hangry is actually a real-life emotion for when your hunger makes you angry and two, how therapists and dietitians can work collaboratively to achieve the best outcome for our clients. But first, a word from today's beauty partner. Community, I know many of you are working on your business at the moment, and perhaps that has involved you thinking about changing software providers and looking at stepping up your marketing game. 
Well, our friends at Forest Salon Software are offering free setup and migration for a limited time only. This means that you can simply move your software over to Forest for free. And yes, you heard that correctly. Contact the team at Forest today to arrange a free bespoke consultation by clicking the link over in our show notes. Thank you so much to Forest Salon Software for making this episode of the Beauty Industry Podcast possible. And now back to Ebony. Talk to me about the word hangry that you used. Yeah. Um, is that actually a thing? Do we get more angry if we are hungry or is this just a term that we've created for a mood that we want to make a name of? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it genuinely exists. It's not a medical term. <laughs> you won't find it in any medical literature. But what happens is our blood, le- blood sugar levels drop and that can affect our cognitive, cognitive functions. So that can affect our mood um, and can negatively affect our mood, but it can also affect our ability to think and process information. And so that sort of irritability comes into play. Same thing happens with dehydration as well. So lack of food, lack of water can have that effect. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Well, my um, my husband will definitely know that term. Hangry is like just yes. give her, just give her all of the food. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm exactly the same. <laughs> um, often, um, I hear when I'm travelling around in clinic, you know, we have this big, beautiful lunch, and um, therapist afterwards go, "Oh, tomorrow I don't want to go back into the treatment room. I just kind of want to crawl up on the treatment room bed um, because they're now low in energy, or they they just want to have a nap straight yeah. after lunch." lunch um why do we feel sleepy after lunch and is there you know something that we can eat for lunchtime that's actually going to give us the energy to get through the rest of the day yeah well i find especially with busy working professionals we tend to get so busy at the start of the day and especially if you're on your feet and you're client facing and you're talking and you're providing a service to clients you just forget, you get busy, you don't eat until you get to lunch and you're absolutely starving by this point in time. So you just grab whatever you can. You tend to eat quickly um, because you're usually running late and you've only got a short amount of time to eat. Um, So you have a quick meal, which you tend to overeat when you eat fast because your brain just doesn't have time to catch up with your with your stomach. So to get that signal that you've had enough. So what that what happens there is you have a really large volume of food and all of your energy goes into digesting that food. So you get that drop in energy because everything's going into breaking down that really big meal and you get quite sleepy and drowsy. So I often compare it to after Christmas, you know, you have that big Christmas lunch and all you want to do is have a big nap afterwards. Same sort of principle. You just have that big volume of food in a short space of time and everything goes into digesting that, that food. So the The best tip I have to help prevent that happening is to be really mindful about making the time to have something to eat during the first half of the day. It may not be the most perfect snack or the perfect food, but whatever's quick and easy to help give you some sort of sustenance and and nourishment to get you through until lunchtime. So you don't arrive at lunchtime absolutely starving. Um, And also making sure that when you do have lunch, you have a really nice, well-balanced meal that um, is a smaller portion size so we don't put that that volume pressure on our on our gut but also that will help to give you that sustained release of energy throughout the afternoon to give you that 
that gradual um, release of energy rather than that quick spike of energy, which then drops off and you start feeling really fatigued. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like a handful of nuts or some grapes yeah. or strawberries or something just in that kind of between breakfast and lunch, just to help yep. us to get to lunch. Yeah. We really shouldn't be leaving it any more than three or four hours um, between meals and snacks um, because once we sort of push past that point, you will start getting really, really hungry and you'll just grab whatever you can. So some of my favorite snacks for like busy professionals would be like, yeah, nuts and seeds, fresh fruit, um, even like yogurts, even in the squeeze pouches, if that's easier, if you don't have time to get a spoon out, um, trail mixes, even little bits of dark chocolate, really nice if you need that little sweet um, hit in the morning. So they're all really good choices, nut bars. Yeah, beautiful. And you touched on there, like when you are hungrier, you just make more poor decisions. And so this is why I don't go shopping when I'm hungry, because I will buy all of the bad things. Um, You do talk about as well, you know, building that perfect meal, which I wanted to touch base on because um, in our Beauty Academy program, you actually talk about building the perfect meal for our subscribers. Yeah. Can you walk us through what that is? Yeah. So I use a bit of a framework with my clients to try and get them to build. And I talk about it in my presentation as well, just how to build a meal so that it's really nice and well balanced and gives you the right sort of distribution of nutrients to keep you feeling nice and full, to be nice and satisfying, but also to provide you with a whole range of different nutrients for general health as well. So the core, I guess, components of a really healthy main meal is we really want to get a good quality source of protein in at lunchtime. Now, I often see people really focusing on protein um, and often having way too much of it. So we don't need a huge serve of protein. It really depends on the individual as to how much you need. But often people get surprised at the portions that I talk about. They're not, they're not huge. So they're things like your salmon, tuna, chicken breast, red meat, eggs, or your vegetable-based proteins like lentils, legumes, chickpeas. They're all really important to have in a meal because they will help to lower the GI or the glycemic index of the meal, which will help to keep you feeling fuller. So that's really important for that sustained energy release in the afternoon. I also love like, and I tell my clients not to be scared of carbohydrates because that's one of the, that's probably, that is a misconception that I see all the time is people are so scared of carbohydrates and they're so scared they're going to cause weight gain. Mm. But the truth is they're really important for our gut health and our gut microbiome, which we know just has such a huge impact on all aspects of our health. Um, But they also are really important for keeping us feeling full as well. We just have to find the right amount of carbohydrate for our own needs and that's different for everyone so it takes a bit of um, playing around with to find what works for you the other thing that I see people really scared of including at their meals which is really important is healthy fats so trying to get some of those avocado nuts and seeds extra virgin olive oil because once again fats help to slow down the digestion um, and give us that sustained release of energy and we don't need to have huge volumes of them to get a really good um, amount of nutrients from them so they're a nice you can have them in small volumes but they pack a really big nutrient punch 
And then of course we want lots of fiber from our green leafy vegetables and different colored uh, vegetables in there as well. Cause once again, that'll fill us up and give us all of those antioxidants, which are great for our general health. Oh, yum. I have, um, we're recording this after lunch and I have just <laughs> eaten um, a big multigrain salad sandwich. So now I'm just going through my head going tick, tick, tick. And yep. now I feel like an A plus student. <laughs> Absolutely. That's perfect. And that that's the thing. It doesn't need to be anything like Instagram worthy meals or weird and wonderful um, main meals, like a simple good quality sandwich with whole grain bread and lots of salad, vegetables, avocado, and a good quality source of protein is perfect. Yeah. Amazing. I want to chat to you about water as well, because Mm. especially as people who we as therapists and business owners, we're on our feet so often. And sometimes I go home to my husband and I'm like, I haven't even had a glass of water today. And I know that is so bad, but also too, we are constantly preaching to our clients that they should drink more water and that one glass is not enough. And that three liters is actually enough. From a therapist's point of view, we know what it does to the skin, but from an internal point of view, Mm. what does it actually do for the body? Yeah, so water for me, and it's something I educate my clients on all the time, but to be honest, it's something I struggle with myself. It's, It's one of those things that it really needs to be at the front of your mind to do it regularly. So having that water bottle with you all the time is probably one of the best ways of doing it. But the biggest impact water has from my perspective is on our digestive health. It is so important to be well hydrated so we have a well-functioning digestive system. And with the type of clients that I see, so clients that are suffering from hormonal conditions like PCOS and endometriosis, we know that getting enough water um, helps to prevent things like constipation. And when we have, and I'm sorry, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, stools and poos and digestive <laughs> talk. So sorry if anyone's Give listening us the at dirty breakfast. Talk. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's dietitian's favourite topic. Um, but when we have stools sitting in our digestive tract for long periods of time, our body can actually start to reabsorb things like estrogen and we don't want that happening for certain conditions like endometriosis that are really driven by hormones like estrogen. So um, fiber actually helps to clear out old estrogen from the body. And what water will do is help to bulk up and soften your stools so they're not sitting in your digestive tract for long periods of time. So it's really, really important that you are drinking enough water so things are moving nice and quickly through the digest, well, not quickly, but not moving too slowly through the digestive system. Yeah, right. You talk about um, estrogen there and I'm I'm just going to throw a curveball at you because obviously I haven't prepped you on this question, but um, I've heard that the type of bottle you drink out of can also impact the estrogen levels in women. Like if you drink out of, um, you know, metal or versus store-bought plastic or a glass, is that a thing? Yeah, so... What I usually focus on, I do a lot of educating with my clients, is around BPA and its effect mainly on fertility and pregnancy. So not so much around 
hormonal health as such. There's not quite as much evidence in that space. But in terms of fertility and pregnancy, there is quite a lot of emerging evidence that BPA can have a negative impact on both fertility and pregnancy. So I'm always encouraging my clients to try and avoid like the plastic water bottles, especially if they've been left out in the sun for long periods of time, because we know that that can increase um, BPA. And yeah, there's a, it's sort of a bit of a gray area because there's so much we don't know about plastics and their impact on their health. So I know if it's if it's possible for you to do, I always recommend, and from an environmental perspective as well, using yeah other types of water bottles would be really beneficial. Yeah, amazing. Um, we talk a lot as therapists about you know things that you were touching on before about getting your good fats in for you know the skin mm-hmm. and the ceramides and you know getting your green leafy fibers in and getting things like berries in for antioxidants and cellular protection. At yep. what point should we kind of handle that conversation to somebody like yourself in the professional space? Yeah, it's a good question. So. I would recommend any of your clients that are suffering from a hormonal condition. And as I said, you're probably seeing quite a few um, women with conditions like polycystic ovary syndrome. Like I know a lot of my clients see beauty therapists to help manage their skin and for the excessive hair growth and things like that. So if you have a client who, and I know you often get into quite deep conversations with your therapists and if they're sort of opening up to you and telling you that they're really struggling with these hormonal issues and the symptoms that are arising from them, like the acne and the excessive hair growth or hair thinning or hair loss, cravings is another really big one, um, weight issues as well then that's probably where I'd be looking at referring on because dietitians can make such a huge impact um, when it comes to conditions like polycystic ovary syndrome. And as I said, there is so much misinformation out there. If women are sort of left to their own devices to try and figure it out for themselves, just end up getting so confused and overwhelmed at all the conflicting information out there. So to help them get to um, get the best results in the quickest stress-free amount of time would be to send them to a professional like a dietitian. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, when in doubt, don't try and fool anyone that you're a dietitian. I mean, obviously we study, yeah. you know, a lot about food and a lot about nutrition, but we don't have the expertise or the experience that people like yourself do. And so yeah. it must be so frustrating from your point of view when you've got, you know, a therapist or a friend or a mom or somebody like that telling your client what to eat. And you're yeah. like, I'm the specialist. And likewise, you would never give skincare advice, I'm sure. Yes. So <laughs> you know, having that nice kind of two-pronged approach and even for a therapist or a a business owner to give you a call and say we're both treating this same client what do you think you know let's work yeah on that absolutely and I think that only looks it looks so positive from a client experience perspective too if you've got a therapist or a health professional who's willing to work collaborative and say oh look I know this great dietitian who can help you get on top of your cravings and help you with your skin and you're referring on to these other people um, I think clients really really appreciate that and it just is a really it's just taking that next level in terms of the service that you provide 
Yeah, beautiful. You do virtual consultations as well. So I'm going to pop all of your um, details in the show notes there, just in case anyone wants to pop on over and have a chat with you. Yeah, absolutely. And over, like, even if you pop onto Instagram, like I'm on there all the time, I do Q and A's and um, answer all my DMs. So if you ever have any questions, just jump on there. Happy to have a chat as well. Brilliant. Ebony, thank you so much for coming in, um, having a chat with me this morning. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. How special was that? Did that episode make you hungry? Just talking about food always makes me hungry and how good that we can now construct the perfect meal knowing what Ebony has taught us. It's always the most important to look after ourselves and be mindful of the food we are eating so that we can have sustained energy throughout the day, but to be mindful of what our clients are eating so that we can get the very best treatment results for their concern. There is so much information and misinformation out there about food and beverages, so please make sure you're aligning yourself with a nutritionist or dietitian to ensure you're providing the best advice and guidance for the people you're treating. You guys know how much of a big fan I am for collaboration and community, so this fits perfectly aligned to what we do. To see more about Ebony and to show her how much you've loved listening to today's episode, you can find her over on the gram at hormone.nutrition. And as I mentioned, her website and other details are in the show notes. Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode. I'm always appreciative of your time and your support. Until next time, stay connected.